Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. Everybody here in the room, everybody that is joining us online, thank you for being here. We're glad that you're here. Uh, whether you are, maybe you're here and you've been walking with Jesus like your whole life, like a long, long time, or maybe you're here and you're kind of like, I'm not even sure if I believe in Jesus yet. No matter where you are, we're glad you're here. Because we believe in Jesus, we promote and we elevate Jesus, and that's why we're here, is to promote and elevate his name, his power, his grace, his salvation. And so that's why we are here today. Uh, so, this is a rubber ball. You guys can tell that, right? And I even chose the one with Northridge colors, if you notice. It's good stuff, right? And the rubber ball is made of, guess what? Rubber. Right? And it's made of rubber. Why? Because it's made to bounce. Hey, that bounced even more than I thought it would. Right? It, it is made to bounce. It's made to come back. Right? If I throw it or I drop it, it's made to come back up because it's made to bounce. This is a glass ball. It is not made of rubber. It's made of glass. Shocking, I know. Some of you are like, wow, you are really profound today. Really deep. Right? It is a glass ball, and this ball is obviously not made to bounce. It is made of glass. If I were to throw this or drop this, it would shatter into a thousand pieces. Because it's glass. It's not made to bounce. It's not made to be dropped. It would shatter. So the reason I bring these two up today is because today we're starting a brand new series, very simply called Shatter versus Bounce. What these two items represent, these two balls, the rubber ball and the glass ball, these two represent the things in your life. Everything in your life falls into one of these two categories. Everything in your life is either a rubber ball or a glass ball. They will either bounce and come back to you if you drop them, or they will not. They'll shatter. Anybody excited about this series yet? Ooh, we're getting into it today, aren't we? So today we're getting into this series and we're going to jump in. So I want to ask you to do something here today. Uh, I, I want to ask you to do something actually throughout this series. So uh, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to consider reading something for me or with me because I've committed to doing this. Uh, but it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's in chapters, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's in the, the first book of the New Testament. It's a sermon from Jesus. It's a sermon that Jesus preached on the mountainside. That's why it's called the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Mountain. Because he preached it on the side of a mountain to a whole bunch of people. And I want you to consider this. Would you, for the next four weeks, this series is four weeks long, would you consider reading the Sermon on the Mount at least once every week during this series. For the next four weeks, so you'd read it at least four times. At minimum. You can read it more than that if you want. At least four times, once a week. It will take you about 10 minutes, plus or minus. I'm a little bit of a slower reader, so it takes me a little longer than 10 minutes. But Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, it'll take you about 10 minutes. Read it and just let it sink in. Here's why I want to ask you to do that. Uh, as I was preparing for this sermon... And this series, this week, God impressed upon me, and he said, Brent, I want you to read the Sermon on the Mount every day of this series. I was like, uh, okay. 
I mean, I'm willing to do that, but I'm like, okay, why? So I got into it. I started reading the Sermon on the Mount, and I realized that I needed to use a verse from the Sermon on the Mount for this series, especially for today. And it was very clear that the Sermon on the Mount is all about, if you summarize the whole Sermon on the Mount, once you read it, you'll get this. It is all about rubber balls in your life or glass balls in your life. It's all about what is less important and what is more important. What you should definitely not worry so much about and what you should worry and think about and focus on and invest in all the time. Sermon on the Mount. One of the best sermons ever preached Probably the best sermon ever preached because it was Jesus. It's all about a rubber ball and a glass ball, even though he doesn't even talk about these in the sermon. That's what it's all about. The things that are less important, the things that are more important in your life and how you distinguish between those. So will you join me this series in reading the Sermon on the Mount at least once a week? If you want to do what I'm doing, you can read it every day. That's cool. Set aside 10, 12 minutes and read the Sermon on the Mount and let his words, Jesus' words, impact you. All right? So you can tell we're going to get into it, can't you? Because, like, there's, there's not a whole lot of joking around this morning, right? Normally, we're laughing, more, more, we're having a good time. The truth is, we've just got to jump in because this is no joke stuff. We're going to hammer on this. Now, um, if there was a summary statement in the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus, if there was a summarizing verse, I don't know that there is, but if there was one, I think a top contender would be the one that I'm about to share with you that Jesus said in the middle of the sermon. This is what he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says this. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Now, we hear that word live righteously or that phrase live righteously. And a lot of times we don't understand what that means. What in the world does it mean to live righteously? You know what it simply means? It simply means to live right according to God. To live right correctly according to what God says is correct. To live righteously. So seek the kingdom of God first or above all else and live righteously and he, God, will give you everything you need. That's a pretty serious statement, isn't it? Seek God first. Look, go focus on God first. Focus on God and what he has. Live righteously. He'll help you to live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Now, I think an important question is this. What is the kingdom of God? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What is the kingdom? The Bible talks about the kingdom of God all the time. But if I were to ask you to define it, say, can you define the kingdom of God for me? Just explain it to me. What would you say? Some of you are like, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. That's a really hard concept, the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus actually explains a little bit about what the kingdom of God is when he was talking to this guy named Nicodemus, a religious leader, religious elite. This guy, Nicodemus, knew everything there was to know about the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament yet, right? Because Jesus is just there. He's, He's creating it, literally with his life. But they have the Old Testament, and this guy knows the Old Testament front and back. He he's got probably most of it memorized. Nicodemus has got it. But then he starts hearing Jesus. He starts seeing Jesus and how he lives. And Nicodemus has some questions, but he doesn't want to embarrass himself. He doesn't want to be known for being curious about Jesus. And so he goes to Jesus at night and he has a conversation with him. And Jesus 
tells Nicodemus this at the beginning of his conversation, and he starts explaining the kingdom of God. Listen to what he says when he tells Nicodemus this. John 3, 3 through 6. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this messed Nicodemus up, so he asked a question. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? What Jesus is saying is that we are born twice. We have a physical birth, and then we have a second birth. If we give our life to Jesus, it's called being born again, as Jesus said here. It is a spiritual birth where we are born again. So we're born physically, but then we have to be born again, which can only happen through Jesus, a spiritual birth. So what does this tell us about the kingdom of God? It tells us it's spiritual, right? It tells us that in the kingdom of God, we need to live righteously or rightly according to God. Okay. But more than anything, what is it saying? It's saying that we need to order our life in order to usher in the kingdom of God. This kind of goes back to, uh, I don't know what week it was, a few weeks ago, when I talked about the Lord's Prayer. Remember when we talked about the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then what did we say? What's the next line? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We say this phrase all the time. Do you know what we're actually asking? What we're actually asking is we want God's will to be done not only in heaven, but here on earth and in our life. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know how that's going to happen? By you living according to God's will. You don't just pray that prayer and it magically happens. God says, I'm here. I'll help you. Let's do this. My will be done. Yeah, let's do that. And so today, let's talk about this. How do we live righteously? How do we live according to what God wants us to live? I want to suggest, there's a hundred answers to that, but I want to give you one really strong answer. I think that one of the strongest answers that we can give to how we live rightly before God is that we order and prioritize our life around the things that God wants us to prioritize and order our life around. In other words, we need to start dropping a few more rubber balls in our life. And we need to start holding a little more tightly to the glass ones. You know what I'm talking about? And some of you, you have a lot of ideas in here of what these things are and what these things are. But we're going to dig into that a little bit here today. So how do we live righteously? How do we make sure that we get into this and we have the most important stuff in our life? Well, let's get really, really practical here today, okay? So I just read an article, and uh, I actually have to read it because it's a really long title. This is the title. It came from uh, a life coaching group called the Eblin Group. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of them. Truth be told, I had never heard of them until this last week, until I came across this article. I'm like, oh, cool, there's a group called the Eblin Group, and they wrote an article. It's a really good article. And this is the title of the article. How to determine if the balls you're juggling are rubber or glass. Now you know why I came across that article, right? Because I was thinking about it, I was researching, I was, th I was looking this up. I was like, how does this pertain? And I came across this article. I was like, ooh, this is a really great article. All right? 
And so, uh, how to determine if the balls you're juggling are rubber or grass. And, and now this addresses something, this title addresses something that we need to understand. There is no way in our life that we can juggle everything that we try to juggle in life. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> Some of you are trying to juggle way too much. You got too many, too many balls flying around in front of your face. We have to juggle. Why do we have to juggle? Here's why. Because there's not enough time in the day to hang on to all the rubber balls and all the glass balls and all the other things that we think are important in life. There's no way. And so we have to juggle. We have to spend time with this person. We have to spend time doing this. And we have to go to our job. And we have to do these things. And we're juggling. And we're like, oh, I hope I don't drop one. Anybody ever feel that way? Man, I feel that way all the time. You know why? Because we're juggling all these balls. And we're like, ooh, that's a glass one. Ooh, that's a glass one. That was close. Right? We're juggling these things. The truth is we can't have it both ways. We can't, we can't juggle all these balls and say, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. We can't have it both ways. You can't do this and this and this. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Have you heard that? You can't do that. For example, I have a, an illustration of this. I love these commercials. Take a look at this commercial. It tells you why it's impossible to have both sometimes. Take a look. We want it all. We want clean dishes and dry shirts. Oh, man. We want hot dogs and a body that doesn't look like it eats hot dogs. We want a trimmed tree and an unfractured coccyx. Oh, my coccyx. Sadly, we can't have it all, except at Sport Clips, where we check in with the pros in men's hair and totally check out with pure, uninterrupted relaxation. Sport Clips. It's a game changer. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> By the way, the coccyx is your tailbone, just so you know. If you were wondering, you're like, what's a coccyx? That's what it is. It's a tailbone. We, we call the, there's a reason we call it the tailbone, because coccyx is like, that just sounds weird, right? And have you ever tried to spell it? I had to look it up. I was like, I had no clue, right? But the truth is, I love what they say at the end of that. They say, it's a game changer. Can I give you a life game changer? Can I give you a life game changer? A life game changer is when you start to realize that when you say yes to something, you're also at the same time saying no to something else. Game changer. It also works in the reverse. When you say yes to something, you have to also say no to something else. Game changer. The truth is that we need to start determining what in our life is most important, don't we? We need to start thinking about what is most important in life. And so let me take us back to that article. Remember that article, how to determine if the balls that you're juggling are rubber or glass. In other words, how do we figure out the most important stuff in our life, the most important things in our life? How do we determine that? How do we rank that? How do we value system that? Well, this article, the reason I brought it up is because it gave a whole bunch of really good questions at the end that we can ask ourselves. And I'm not going to highlight all of them. You'll have to read the article if you want all the questions. But I, I picked out three of them that I thought were really, really relevant to today. Okay? And so let me give you these three questions. These are three questions that you can actually filter through all of the things that you do, all the ways that you spend time in your life. Everything that you do can be filtered through these three questions. Okay? Question number one. What's the long-term impact 
of this ball? What's the long-term impact? Let me ask this just a little bit different way to kind of help us. Because that, that's very general. That's how the article asked it. So I decided to keep it the same. But, but let's add to it because they kind of extrapolate on it. And this is a better way to ask it. Will this thing, this thing that you're spending your time on, you're worrying about, your energy on, you spend money on this, you, you, whatever it is, will this be important a week from now? A year from now? Ten years from now? Fifty years from now? Will it matter? Will it matter at all? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes <laughs> I get wrapped up in the moment and I think it's really important right now. This is going to matter for eternity. And in reality, it's not. Okay, for example, let me give you an example. Uh, it, uh, it, you know, understand, this is not on my notes. This happened yesterday. So I was like, thank you, Lord, for the illustration. I was at my son's uh, Tanner uh, flag football game. He's in fourth grade. Okay? And they're playing flag football. They, they were battling against this team really, really hard. And, uh, and, and the other coach was on the field, and the ref kept calling this foul against the other team. Not our team, but the other team. And it was something that, I don't know, we, we were talking about this on the sideline. There's some of you in here, you were standing next to me, so you know this is true. You can vouch for me on this. And, and they were standing, and they called like flag guarding or something like that. They called it like three times on this team. And you could just see steam starting to pour out of the other coach's ears as this ref was calling these things. And the second time he called it, he was like, he's like, and he went up into the ref's face and he's like, what are you doing? I don't understand. I don't understand why you're calling this. He was so upset. Like he was just ready to blow up. And you know what I said to the people standing there? I was like, I think somebody needs to remind him it's a fourth grade flag football game. It's not going to matter 10 years from now because it's not even going to matter a month from now because they're going to play three more games since then and there's going to be something else that makes them mad. It's not going to matter. And yet we lose sleep and we lose relationships and we get angry over things that matter in the moment but not really because they're not going to matter a week or a year or 10 years from now. we got to drop the rubber ball, right? What is the long-term impact? Is it going to matter 5, 10, 20, 50 years from now? Like, can I just be really honest so that we can help with our filter? There is almost nothing in our life that matters 50 years from now. I'm not saying there is nothing. I didn't say there's nothing in our life. I'm saying there's almost nothing in our life that is going to matter 50 years from now. Your car's not going to matter 50 years from now. Your house isn't even going to hardly matter 50 years from now. Right? How well you cut your grass is not going to matter. It's not going to matter even next week. Because, you know why? Because it's going to be too long again. We should just let it grow and bring in goats. Okay, maybe I'm just letting my own issues come into this moment, right? Anybody done with mowing grass? I'm done with mowing grass. I just, I just am. Anybody ready to shovel snow? Oh, I just, I just said an evil word. I'm sorry. Right? No, I'm not ready to do that either. Okay. The truth is that we sometimes value things so highly, but when we start thinking about it, they don't matter. They're rubber balls. 
You can drop it. It's fine. Let it go. Don't do that. No, it's fine. It'll come back to you. And in the meantime, we sometimes are dropping these and they're shattering all over the place, causing damage. What's the long-term impact? All right, question number two. You guys know these, all these questions are like sermons in themselves. Okay, number two. Who else cares about this ball? Now, now, this is important to ask this question who you need to ask this question to, okay? Now, I'm not saying this person doesn't matter in your life, but this is not the question that you ask to your neighbor who you see twice a year, okay? I, I'm not saying they don't matter. I'm just saying in this context, for the most important things in your life, it doesn't matter what matters to your neighbor to, you know, that you see twice a year, right? What you need to do is, who else cares about this? Well, who are you talking about? You're talking about the glass ball people in your life. The people that you know you should never and can never drop. What do they care about? What are they excited about? Because that matters a little bit. Um, for example, I know my, my wife, she loves neighborhood walks. She does. It's one of her favorite things. Can I tell you one of my least favorite things in life? Neighborhood walks. It's true. Can't stand it. You know why? Because it's the same sidewalk every time. I, I, I realize this. It's not because it's a neighborhood. It's not because there's people there. It's not because I'm walking with my wife. I love my wife. I love spending time with her. If we simply changed the environment and we were going on a different path, or maybe we drove to a different neighborhood and walked that, I'd be like, yeah, at least a little more engaged with that. You know why? Because I need an adventure all the time. I'm like, this is new? Cool. I'm excited. I'm engaged with this. Right? But if it's the same block, I'm like, same block, same stupid crack. They still need to mow their grass better. You know, whatever. <laughs> the truth is that some people, they care about things. And the, the, the truth is, the reason I care about neighborhood walks is not because I love it. It's because my wife loves it. And I love her, and so I'm going to do that. Right? So who else cares about this thing? That's kind of an important piece. If it's an important person in your life. Number three, if I drop this ball, could I recover? This is a really important question. If I dropped this ball, could I recover? Now, we've all faced setbacks in life. We've all faced decisions that we've made that were dumb. You know, we've all faced things where, I don't know about you, but I made a lot of mistakes in high school, college, right? Things that were embarrassing. And in the moment, it felt like my life was over. Have you been in those moments where you're like, oh my goodness, I just need to crawl under a rock, you know? And, and those things. But in reality, the next day, I felt a lot better. And by the next week, I'd forgotten we've moved on, right? Where I thought it was going to destroy my life, but it didn't. I moved on. It was a rubber ball. In the moment, it felt like glass. In the moment, it felt like, oh, this is going to destroy everything in my life. It felt like glass, but it wasn't. It was actually a rubber ball because I moved on, and within a week or two or, or a few months, I, I had moved on. But the truth is, there are a few things. It's a very few things. There are a few things in your life that should never be dropped because they will shatter a thousand pieces. And I don't know about you, have you ever tried to put a glass ball back together? It's hard. Isn't it? 
And so these are the things that we need to hold on to, the glass balls in our life. We need to determine, if I drop this ball, if I let this go, will it destroy me or will it destroy somebody else? What in your life should never be dropped? Now, I will, let me just pause for a moment because I know that this is a little bit heavy hitting on this series. So, a lot of us in here, maybe all of us in here, at some point, maybe you're, you're focused on this, maybe you thought about this, a lot of us have dropped a glass ball in our life. Right? Some of you are like, I, I, there's a relationship, it's, it's broken, and I broke it. Some of you are thinking, I, I made this mistake, and man, if I could go back, I would change that. And you're thinking about that glass ball right now that's shattered in your life. I just want to be really, really forthright with you. So this series, we're talking about what these important things are today. Next week, we're going to actually, I'm going to give you some filters as to how you can determine what the most important things are and how to deal with those things. So we're going to get ultra practical next week. Um, the following week, we're going to have a personal story from somebody who just avoided shattering a glass ball in his life. He's right in the midst of it. He's going to share that story, powerful story. And then the last Sunday of this series, because I know that a lot of us have shattered glass balls in our life, we're going to talk about what happens, what do you do when you've already shattered the glass ball? You already dropped it. You already threw it down. It's broken. It's gone. And you're feeling ashamed about it. We're going to talk about what we can do with that. Does that sound okay? Because a lot of us in here, we don't like to admit it, but we've thrown a glass ball down and, it's, and it broke. And you're wondering what you can do now to move forward. That's okay. And let me also remind you this. We talk about Jesus a lot here. We talk about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you. Why do, we, why do we talk about that? Because he forgave you of your sins. But can I tell you all the other reason why Jesus died on the cross? He didn't just forgive you of your sins. He also wanted to give you freedom from the pain and the shame of all the broken glass balls in your life. He says, I want you to move on. And guess what? My death on the cross and my resurrection from the grave gives you hope that not only is there a cracked and a, and a shattered ball in your life, but I can actually put it back together. We can reconcile. We can redeem that. I can make this even more beautiful than it was before if you'll just let me. He gives you hope in the midst of shame and pain and despair and everything else that we've had in our life. And some of you, you have never gotten past the shattered ball in your life. You've never gotten past it. You've let it linger there. You've been cutting your feet on it ever since. Let me just say, Jesus died on the cross, not only to forgive you of your sins, but to give you freedom from shame and pain and despair and hopelessness. Praise God for that. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about all of these things in this series. And the truth is, this is a constant battle, isn't it? Like Jesus, Jesus illustrates this in his life. Do you guys remember when Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house? Remember, he was just, he was just they were just hanging out. They were just hanging out. He was there at Mary and Martha's house. And Martha, do you remember what Martha was doing? Martha was running all over. She was cooking and she was cleaning and she was doing all this stuff in the house and she's getting everything done. She's like, all this stuff. And her sister Mary, lazy Mary. 
Okay, I'm just putting words in that. And that's not what scripture says. It doesn't say lazy Mary. But sometimes I think that. Mary, what was Mary doing? Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, just listening to Jesus talk. Just listening to him teach. And Martha got mad. It's kind of like that fourth grade football game yesterday. She's kind of like the coach. She's like, she's steaming, she's fuming. And finally, she can't help it. And she says something. So she says, Jesus, you tell my sister Mary to get up and help me and do something. You know what Jesus says to her? No. (laughs) He doesn't actually say no. But that's what he says with what he says. Because he tells Martha, he says, Martha, Mary has chosen the better thing. Martha's the one doing. Martha's the one going. Martha's the one making stuff happen. And Jesus says, no, Mary chose the better thing. Rubber ball versus glass ball. In fact, Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not always going to be here physically. Mary chose the better thing. It's Jesus who said you can't two, serve two masters, both God and money. You can't serve them. You can't do both. One is a rubber ball, one is a glass ball. You cannot serve both. Jesus said, you cannot serve both. You're going to be a slave to one or the other. You cannot serve both. You cannot serve both money and God. You can't do it. Jesus said that. When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, what did he say? The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, right? Right? And then he said, the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. In other words, if we were to sum it up, this is why we say it all the time, love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. I'm just here to tell you Jesus was sharing exactly what the glass balls in your life are. Love God, love people. Pretty much everything else that falls into this category. But we don't act that way. When I drop this, it's like, oh, no. Rubber ball. I can replace this. Yes, it's going to cost me like $1,200. Thank you, Verizon and everybody else, Apple. But it's not the end of life, even though we act like it. It's not. It's a rubber ball. We can replace it. There are some things in this life you will never be able to replace. What are those things? It was Jesus who said, what is it worth if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? And I love that Jesus asked this question. He says, what is worth more than your soul? That's in Mark chapter 8. What's worth more than your soul? Nothing. There's literally nothing more, worth more than your soul. Because it's the only aspect of you that's eternal. Your possessions are not your, your, even your body is not eternal. The only thing that's eternal is your soul. I was listening to an interview a few weeks ago, and Christine Kane was being interviewed. I don't know if you know who Christine Kane is. She's a, uh, she's the starter. She started this ministry, and she leads this ministry currently. It's called A Twenty One Ministries. And uh, it's a global ministry, and their whole mission is to free as many people from human trafficking and human slavery as possible. That's, that's their goal. A21 Ministries. Look it up. It's amazing. Intense ministry, as you would imagine. 
And Christine Kane was being interviewed, but she was being interviewed about her leadership and how she orders her life, basically, is where the interview went. And she started talking about how um, it's easy for human beings to drift. She used the word drift. And she said, you know, we drift, and what we drift to is we always drift to the path of least resistance. We drift to the easiest path. We drift to the widest path. We drift to the things that, you know, we just, selfishness, we drift, we just drift that way. We don't have to choose that way. We drift that way. And then she made this really point. This is probably the most, most impactful thing that she said in the whole interview, and the interview is like 50 minutes long. She said, you know what the danger is about drift? She said, the danger about drift is that all you have to do to drift is nothing. That's all you have to do. Don't do anything. Don't consider your life. Don't change. Don't ever think about rubber versus glass ball. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Just keep living and hope for the best. In order to drift in this life, all we have to do is nothing. Just don't do anything. Just keep going. And hope things work out. It's a scary thought, isn't it? She said, drift is this dangerous thing. And then she kind of went into this. This blew my mind. But then she went into this. She said, you know, you don't have to choose to embezzle money or to lie to your spouse or to commit an affair uh, against your spouse or, or to sin or do anything. She said, you don't have to choose to do that. You know how you get into that? You drift into that. You just drift there. You just end up there by not being intentional about how you're living. Because, because here's what we know. We know this. And, and Christine Kane, we all know that what she's saying is true. Because we all know we don't go into life saying, I want to destroy all of the really important relationships in my life. That's, that's my goal. I'm going to throw as many glass balls down in my life as possible so that I just get to walk on glass the rest of my life. This is going to be amazing. That's not our goal. And so we don't choose to embezzle money on purpose. We don't choose to do these things on purpose. You know what gets us there? We simply don't choose to live the way that God wants to, and we drift, and we drift, and we drift, and all of a sudden, it starts to slip, and it starts to slip, and all of a sudden, it's gone. We're like, ah! We drift. And so if you hear nothing else today... I would say this, stop drifting. Stop drifting. Netflix is not that important. I hate to burst your bubble, it just isn't. That series that you're looking forward to watching tonight, not that important. Your phone, not that important. I know, I've got one in my pocket. You're like, but Brent, you have one in your pocket. I know. I didn't say it's evil. I'm just saying it's a rubber ball. Stop drifting. That person that you know you should have called 10 years ago and apologized. Stop drifting. Call them. Start picking up the pieces. I know it's going to be hard. I know it will. You're going to actually cut yourself probably. 
trying to put that, that ball together. It's, it's, there, there's going to be some stumbles. How many of you have tried to reconcile with somebody? How many, how many of you know it went really well the first time? I bet it didn't. So I talk to people all the time that they go back and they try to reconcile. And you know what? The first time it doesn't happen. Second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. Sometimes it's, it's a lot of times. But eventually, you know what happens? Eventually they reconcile. Sometimes it happens right away, by the way. Sometimes it's like phew, miracle status. The ball gets put back together just like that. Stop drifting. Do you remember where we started? Matthew 6, Jesus' words, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Put God first. Put God at the center. Put God right here. Make sure you take care of that. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Make sure you take care of that because everything else, it'll come back to you. You're good. You can drop it and it can go all the way over there. Oh, there it goes. See? Oh, but I still can grab it. It's fine. There's no damage. It's all right. And you're like, oh, but I lost my phone. I didn't. It's fine. You'll replace it. It's okay. But the internet went out. It's fine. You'll be all right. You're going to make it, right? All these things are rubber balls. And yet, we hold on to these, and at the same time, these things are slipping, 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 and all of a sudden they fall and they shatter. We're like, how did that happen? And I can tell you how it happened. It's because you're holding on to too many things that are rubber in your life. You should have dropped them long ago. Stop drifting. Seek God first. Wrap your life around Him. What do you need to drop? Let me give one last example of this. My mom actually reminded me of this a few weeks ago. We were talking about this. Uh, and, and I had known this, but I'd, I'd forgotten. But uh, when I was born, before I was born, uh, my dad would golf every Friday. My dad loved golf. He would play golf all the time. He was really good at it, by the way. And he was a lefty. You know, his clubs faced the wrong direction. It's just so messed up, right? So I couldn't use his clubs. I had to use the normal clubs, right-handed clubs, like everybody else does. You know, some of you are in here left-handed. You're like, I take offense to that. That's fine. I made fun of my dad for that all the time. It was okay, right? And, um, but he was a left-handed golfer, and he liked to golf every Friday. Well, when I was born, he made the decision that he was no longer going to go golfing because he was going to spend part of Friday with me. And then when my brother was born, same thing. He's like, okay, now we get to spend it. Now I get to spend part of Friday with my two boys. And sometimes my mom would be there. Sometimes she'd have to do something else because she had other days. But she'd be there sometimes. And, and when I was a little kid, that my dad and my mom, they would take me to uh, underneath this train bridge. And there was water and like rocks. And I guess my favorite thing was to throw rocks in the water. Can I be honest? One of my favorite things still to this day is to throw rocks in water. I, do, I, I could do that for hours with my boys, with my, with my family. In fact, we did it, right? Last, last summer at Glacier, we, we spent probably two hours, and all we did was chuck water, the rocks into the water, skipping rocks and throwing them in and trying to hit logs. It was great. If you've never done that, by the way, you are missing mo glass ball in your life, I'm just saying. <laughs> 
And by the way, phones, speaking of phones, you can take slow-mos of that when it hits the water. It's awesome. But we did that on Fridays when I was little, one, two, three years old. Then we moved to Rapid City, South Dakota, and then my dad and, and my brother and I, we would go for hikes. We'd go hiking in the Black Hills, which are basically small mountains, and we built, uh, we created this tire fort. We found tires all over this place, and we stacked them up into, made huge walls, and by the time we were done, we probably had 60 to 100 tires, and we had created an entire encased area that was all tires with a, with a board and a, and, a, and a huge tractor tire was the, the door. Now, I can picture it. I can still see it. It was amazing. We did that usually on Fridays, and then when we moved to Eau Claire, then, you know, Bryce and I, we were getting high more highly involved in sports and so sports kind of became the thing and he would take us to sports or he would get us ready or warm us up you know in the driveway with basketball or football or or soccer or whatever it was and and he was there but here's what was not on my radar you understand I can talk about this now but what was not on my radar as a little kid and as a as an older kid and then as even as a teenager what was not on my radar is my dad gave up something that was very valuable to him golf in order for him to have the time he had to drop this in order to invest in this he had to get rid of this for a while in order to do this was he able to pick golf back up yes could he still beat me most of the time in golf yes he still even to his last days one of the last things that my dad and I did was play golf. Hey, And you know why I wanted to play golf with him? Because he gave up the stupid rubber balls in his life that I didn't even know existed so that he could spend time on the most important things. If he would have said, you know what? I'm a golfer. That's what I love to do. I'm just going to do that. My boys will figure it out. I don't know if I can say the same thing that I am today. What's most important in your life? What do you need to drop? Because this life is short, it's fleeting. Lauren, I just got awful news late last night. Somebody that's gone that a few hours before was not. Totally unexpected. I'm guessing everybody that knows that now, there are some things that anybody would say, this is the most important. And so I will ask you this. At the beginning of this series, what do you need to drop? It'll be fine. You can pick it back up some other time. But make sure we're not dropping these. The most important things in your life are glass. They will shatter. Let's make sure that we're taking care of those. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so good to us, and the truth is, if we were going to be honest, sometimes we, we tend to spend time and energy and focus on things that just don't matter as much. 
And, and Lord, there may be some really significant pain and guilt and shame in this room because there may be a lot of people in here who they dropped some significant glass in their life and it shattered. And now they're dealing with the shame and the pain and the guilt of that. And I would just, Lord, I just want to pray for every person in here. If there is anybody in here who ha- is feeling that shame intensely because that, that glass shattered and they, they just, they feel so ashamed about it, I pray that you would just enter into their existence right now, into their, into their mind, into their heart, into their soul, and just remind them that you love them, that you are there, and that you can actually reconcile and redeem and bring beauty out of ashes. You say in your word that you can bring beauty out of ashes. You can bring beauty from brokenness. You can put it back together, and it will be just as beautiful, if not more beautiful than before, but, but it takes your power, and so we need to surrender our shame and our guilt and our hopelessness and our despair to you. Help us to lay it at your feet. And help us all to remember that there are really important things in this life, the most important things we need to always hold on to. And it's going to require us to drop some of the other things that don't matter as much. We can pick them up at times, but we need to stop giving them the focus and the attention, things that they just don't deserve, so that we can give focus and attention to the things that matter the most. You, God, and the people in our life. Open our eyes. Help us to see the truth who you are and the most important things. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.